WVIA's Mind Over Matter, a mental health initiative, is underwritten by Geisinger. When you hear Geisinger, what comes to mind? A hospital, doctors, health insurance? We're all those things. But here's something you might not think of. We're also your local pharmacy. Geisinger Pharmacy isn't just for people in the hospital, it's for you. Wanna fill a prescription? We've got you covered. Just need over-the-counter stuff? We've got that too. And Geisinger Pharmacy is run by your friends and neighbors. We're your local healthcare system and your local pharmacy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast. I'm Tracy Matisak, and in this episode, we're talking about grief and loss. If we live long enough, each of us will experience loss and the grief that comes with it at some point in our lives. While grief involves feelings of deep sadness, we don't all experience it the same way, and we don't all recover in the same way or time either. Whether it's the loss of a loved one, a marriage, a job, or a pet, how do we process grief in a healthy way, and how can we best help others cope with their own loss and sorrow? Our guest today has valuable advice to share. Dr. Samantha Fitzgerald is a clinical psychologist at the Geisinger Marworth Treatment Center, where she runs both the grief and loss and trauma groups. Dr. Samantha Fitzgerald, thanks so much for being with us on the Mind Over Matter podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this topic today. So the kind of work that you do around grief and loss involves helping people through some of the most difficult times in their lives. What drew you to this work? I think what drew me to this line of work was really my own personal experience. Uh, About 12 years ago, I experienced the unexpected loss of my mother. And I was only 22 years old at that time. And I was able to see just how quickly my whole world turned upside down in a matter of seconds. So at that time, I was an undergraduate student in psychology. I didn't know a lot about grief and loss. I was getting ready for a typical day of school, and I came downstairs to find that my mother had passed away from a heart attack. And going through that experience, I found a lot of people didn't want to talk about it or didn't know how to talk about it. So really my goal for today is to hopefully just give some insight and awareness into the grief and loss process to normalize that experience and hopefully add that hopefulness piece that people can move on in a healthy way. Thank you so much for sharing that, Dr. Fitzgerald. You know, I have a similar story. Um, I also lost my mom very suddenly to a heart attack when I was in my 20s. And it just blew up my life. And I think the worst part for me was the suddenness of it. You know, loss of any kind is difficult, but there's just something about not seeing it coming that seems to make it especially hard. And I'm wondering if you can speak to that person who may be grieving a loss that just came out of nowhere. Yeah, I think it's something that we're not really prepared for. And so we don't really know what to do with it. And I can say from my personal experience, I think I did all of the things that we would actually consider like to be myths when it comes to grief and loss. So I know my biggest thing was I felt that I should just be grieving alone. I shouldn't be talking about it, which we now know is a myth. But also I felt like this desire to be strong for the people around me and then kind of realize my own emotions were going to the wayside. So I think our immediate reaction is to help other people and be strong for others. But we also need to process our own emotions. 
And we should probably take a moment here and just define our terms. I mean, how would you define grief? So that is so difficult because I always say this is this five letter word that we're looking at, but it's really such a complex experience when it comes to grief. And I will say no one's experience of grief is the same. So some would say this is just a natural response to any type of loss. I think another way we can look at it is this like deep sorrow or emotional suffering we feel when someone or something we love is taken away from us. I was going to say, it's just a full process. So with grief, it's really this process in which the bereaved remembers the loved one who passed away. And it's also the matter of now, how do we adjust to our life without that person? And we tend to think of grief in relation to death. But as we mentioned in the beginning, there are really all kinds of losses or maybe even unmet expectations that can lead to those feelings of grief that you just described. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the most common one we think of is this death of a loved one. Um, But other things that are very common are things like divorce, loss of a spouse, the death of a pet, uh, moving or relocating, uh, miscarriage is another one, uh, retirement, job loss. uh, In the field that I work in, like loss of self to addiction, for example, is another common one. Any health change. There's so many different ways we can look at this. And I've been reading about grief versus complicated grief. And of course, all grief is complicated. But what do we mean when we talk about complicated grief? And what does that look like? Yeah, so when we're thinking more of this complicated grief, we're really saying that there is something that is interfering with our ability to cope moving forward. So this is saying something is prolonging our grief process. So that can be different things like troubling thoughts. A lot of times we hear that there is guilt related to being able to move on. Uh, Dysfunctional behaviors, a lot of times this is where we might see things like excessive drug use or turning to alcohol to cope. There's also typically some problems with regulating our emotions at this point in time and negative thinking patterns. A lot of times we hear like there's this if only thinking pattern. But what happens is this is usually happening for a few years at this point. So there's something interfering with why we can't move forward in a healthy way with our life. So you mentioned time, and I'm curious about whether there is an average time or a reasonable time for someone to go through a grieving process. I think that's a really controversial topic, actually. So, I mean, if we're thinking of acute grief, we're thinking that this is something that occurs immediately typically lasts for a few weeks or months, but eventually it will subside. When things start to interfere with the coping and it's lasting longer, yes, that is more complicated grief. But my personal opinion is there's really no timeline on grief. When it's becoming problematic is when we're not able to do like our daily obligations, for example, like go to work, take care of our children, whatever it might be. But the reality is I feel like grief is something that's always going to be with us. It could be 12 years later, I'm still dealing with my own grief journey, but I've been able to move forward in my life and talk about it now. Yeah. So many of us have heard about Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's five stages of grief. Um, Is it true that most of us go through those stages in one way or another? Do they happen in order? What do you think about that? 
So I definitely think it's common to go through these stages of grief, but as far as the process with which people go through them, it is not a linear process. And the reality is not everyone makes it to the final stage or what they would consider to be the final stage. So some things we see in this model are things like denial. We're shocked. We don't believe the loss is happening. There's a lot of anger, irritability, because something or someone was just taken away from us. Depression is very common. People are going to feel sad. They're going to have low mood. They're going to isolate from people or activities. We see a lot of bargaining. That's another stage. People are asking why this person or thing was taken away from them, and they want to be able to do something in order to have that back. And then that last stage, what we think of as acceptance, is really when we're okay with the loss. We can acknowledge it. We can talk about it. We can move on and know that they're potentially in a better place, for example. However, the way we go through them is going to be completely different. We can start a denial. The next day, someone might feel depressed. They might go back to anger. Then they can go to bargaining. But I will say not everyone makes it to that acceptance stage. And what happens then? So suppose someone is really struggling and just can't get to the point where they've managed to make peace with the loss. Yeah, I think that's where we have to look a little more into some of like their manifestations of grief and also their responses to grief to see, is there anything that we can be doing differently to cope with the loss? Or is this where like more professional help has to come into play? And Dr. Fitzgerald, I'm just thinking about you know, grief that comes before the loss. For instance, I have a friend who lost her mom this year after a long illness. And I remember her saying, I've been grieving for a long time. I've been grieving the loss of my mom as I knew her, you know, for the last couple of years. And I'm thinking about, you know, people who have a loved one with a terminal illness or maybe, you know, an unborn child that's diagnosed with some kind of significant impairment where the grief starts actually before the loss. Yeah, absolutely. That's very common. And I think with individuals in that situation, they also don't really know how to acknowledge it because they're grieving before a specific loss. But the reality is there is some kind of loss there, whether it's like that loss of identity or loss of the person that they used to know. I always tell people in that case, you know, one, talk about it. Try to create as many memories as you can so that uh, keeping those memories alive after the loss, if that were to happen, is something that they can always hold on to. Um, And also talking about it with the person themselves, too, to let them know how you're feeling is also acceptable. And to continue to do as many things as they can to create positive memories with that person in order to continue to keep those memories alive. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking, too, about the aftermath of a loss and how, you know, people tend to move on with their lives. They're there for us immediately after a loss. But then, you know, people have to move on with their lives. But that person is still grieving that loss for a long time afterward and um, in all likelihood feels very alone for a long time in their grief after that. I'm sure you experienced it with the loss of your mom. I know I did as well. What can you say to that person? There has to be more work that goes into it after. Yes, everyone still has to go on with their life and things like that. 
but also be mindful. Not everyone around us knows what to say, especially if they didn't experience this type of loss. And I think that's like a big thing that we forget about is that it's not that people don't care or want to be there for us. It's that they might not know what to say. They might be afraid to show their own emotions to you because they might feel like they're going to trigger you. A lot of times we see people start to kind of intellectualize the experience instead of going more into the emotions. So I think the biggest thing is continuing to open that door for the communication piece, um, continue to talk about it, allow people to be there for you. Sometimes it's just a matter of like saying to other people, I'm here if you need to talk, I'm up late, but then starting your own personal grief journey outside of that. We'll be back with Dr. Samantha Fitzgerald right after the break. WVIA presents a Mind Over Matter Minute. Hi, I'm Dr. Kylie Oleski from Geisinger. Many who face mental health challenges often wonder where to get help. Some can find help by tapping into their support systems, family, friends, and faith community, which for some may be enough. When it's not, self-guided apps, books, or online resources may be helpful. Levels of care beyond this include treatment groups, individual therapy, and considering medication like antidepressants. There are also intensive programs with more frequent appointments and inpatient settings for severe symptoms. When in crisis and need immediate help, call 211 or go immediately to your local emergency department. Remember, you are not alone. For more, visit wvia.org forward slash mindovermatter or dial 211 to speak with someone who can help. Mind Over Matter is presented by WVIA in partnership with Geisinger. And thanks for listening to the Mind Over Matter podcast. Our guest is Dr. Samantha Fitzgerald. She's a clinical psychologist at the Geisinger Marworth Treatment Center, where she runs both the grief and loss and trauma groups. And we are talking specifically about grief and loss in this episode. Um, Dr. Fitzgerald, you started to answer my next question, actually, which is about the do's and don'ts of how to help someone who is grieving, because I think people do struggle. They want to help. They want to encourage and provide comfort, but don't quite know how to go about it. You talked about some of the things we can do, but what are some, maybe some things to avoid? So I think with the communication piece, just being mindful of some things. I know even with my work here now, like a lot of, when we're inquiring about like background history, you know, we're asking about parents and things like that not recognizing that maybe people don't have both of their parents who are still living. So I think the wording of our phrases is definitely something that we need to be mindful of. Um, Also not pushing someone if they're not ready to talk yet. It's okay to give someone like a gentle nudge to open that door for conversation, but we also want to meet people where they're at. So, and eventually that will come with time as well, but Even like in the grief and loss group, for example, sometimes just being present and listening to people's story can make all the world of difference because someone might just be able to resonate with something someone said. So just being mindful of where people are at in their journey and meeting them where they're at. Yeah, I think we tend to overthink this sometimes or feel so afraid (laughs) that we're going to say the wrong thing or just feel like we have to say something that is going to magically make the person feel better. And it sounds like so much of it is just about being there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think one of the common things we hear is, I'm so sorry for your loss. I know exactly what you're going through. And then the comeback to that might be, oh, you lost your mom too. And then the other person is like, oh, actually no. And then that puts people back a little bit. So that again goes back to that wording and sometimes just being present for people. 
Exactly. Um, in thinking about the last two years, I've been thinking about the sort of collective grief that we have all experienced. When you think about everything that's happened with the COVID pandemic, we lost over a million lives, but we also lost connection, right, with schools closing and jobs going virtual as well. And I wonder what your thoughts are about how we as a nation, I mean, to say nothing of the rest of the world, how we collectively move forward after we've had this kind of experience of grief over the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. I think we were all part of that. We were all part of that. And just seeing how isolated a lot of us have become and not being able to do things or see family or have our support system. So I think moving forward, it's really making sure we are spending time with the people that we need to spend time with, having conversations, uh, doing group activities, whatever it might be, um, especially spending time with loved ones. I hear a lot in the groups that I've been doing, especially people who lost people to COVID, um, how difficult that was for them because they're really, no one could have predicted that COVID was gonna happen by any means. For people working in the medical field who they might not have had a personal relationship to their patients, but we're seeing people die every day and how they move forward from that. And a lot of it is they're doing their own grief and loss work on people that they don't even know and making sure that they go home and are spending time with their loved ones and things like that. And I'm thinking, too, about children, because young people have lost so much over the last couple of years. When you think about, you know, the proms and the graduations and all of the events that were milestone events that did not happen. And even thinking about young children who, in some cases, were almost too young to process what was happening to them. You think as well about, you know, some of the school shootings that we've experienced as a nation. I'm wondering if there is something specific that you have to say about children and helping them deal with grief and loss? One is making sure that it's age appropriate for children, but I think we're seeing a lot of behavioral issues now too when we're trying to almost reintegrate children back into society after being isolated for so long. I think a lot of it is just figuring out what is like effective interpersonal strategies that we can use and rebuild bonds and relationships with people. I think also parents were not only caregivers, but they became teachers to their children during the pandemic. And now, you know, we're sending our children out to meet with all these people that they don't know. And a lot of that, we see anxiety then. So a lot of anxiety-based cognitive behavioral therapy, exposure, things like that, we're going to have to see moving forward. I mentioned early on that you head up the grief and loss group at the Marworth Center, which specializes in helping people recover from substance use disorders. Um, can you talk about the relationship between grief and loss and substance use disorders and sort of how your grief and loss work kind of plays into that? Absolutely. It's very common overlap with grief and loss and trauma and addiction. And it's always kind of like, which came first? Uh, was it the uh, addiction piece and then the grief and loss, or did the grief and loss trigger the addiction piece? But I think one thing that is holding specifically this group of individuals back is their ability to cope without the use of substances. So the purpose of the group is to start to talk about these losses in a safe environment, uh, do different activities. So we have things like a loss history graph, a relationship graph. We can do things like empty chair technique, writing a letter to start to open the door to let them 
let some of the walls come down a little bit and talk about their grief as the first step for then what they're going to do outside of treatment. And just to clarify, when you mentioned the empty chair technique, is that where sort of the person that you lost or the, you know, the person that you are sort of thinking of is sitting, you imagine them sitting in the empty chair? Yeah. So that's a very powerful technique. It's really almost like a form of experiential therapy where the person that we are thinking of that we lost, we're literally sitting an empty chair in front of them and the individual is to talk to that person. And, you know, it could be saying thank you for things. It could be a way of asking questions that they didn't get answered. And then typically what happens is there's two ways you can do it. The individual themselves can then sit in that chair and respond, or the therapist can sit in that chair and respond. But the whole point of it is really to be this method for like any unfinished business or the words left unsaid for the individual. And that sounds like something that would be helpful, not just for people who are struggling with a substance use disorder, but really anyone who is struggling with grief and loss. Um, uh, finally, Dr. Fitzgerald, um, what resources could you recommend for people who are struggling or someone who wants to help someone who is struggling to get through a period of grief? Yeah, I always say advocacy is one of like the biggest things when it comes to grief and loss because coping with death or losing a loved one is pretty much inevitable at this point. So there's a bunch of different resources. There is like grasphelp.org. That's really a, a grief recovery after a substance passing. Uh, just grief.com, for example, has resources for all various losses of any ages. There's specifically grieving children for anyone who has lost a child. First Candle is another one for the loss of a child. So I think any of those are great resources. And I also encourage people to like look to see if there's any like local group going on related to grief or bereavement in your area. Yeah, lots of great resources out there for the taking. Uh, Dr. Samantha Fitzgerald is a clinical psychologist at Geisinger who specializes in grief and loss. Dr. Fitzgerald, thanks so much for making time to be with us for this really important conversation. Thank you for having me. I'm Tracy Matisak. Thanks so much for listening to the Mind Over Matter podcast. For more information, check out our website at wvia.org slash mindovermatter. See you next time. WVIA's Mind Over Matter, a mental health initiative, is underwritten by Geisinger. When you hear Geisinger, what comes to mind? A hospital? Doctors? Health insurance? We're all those things. But here's something you might not think of. We're also your local pharmacy. Geisinger Pharmacy isn't just for people in the hospital. It's for you. Want to fill a prescription? We've got you covered. Just need over-the-counter stuff? We've got that too. And Geisinger Pharmacy is run by your friends and neighbors. We're your local healthcare system and your local pharmacy. 